Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Power Up and Game. I'm your host, Michael, and I'm joined, as always, with my main man, Taylor. Taylor, how's it going, buddy? Man, I'm doing fantastic. I am ready to play Starfield. Yeah, you and I were talking about that a little bit before we started recording, and man, I'm I'm a little jelly, uh, and we'll we'll get into that a little, a little in a little bit. Yeah. By the way, listeners, I just want to say, I'm the one who put this show together. I'm the one to blame. This is an Xbox episode. And what's, what's a better way to start it off than talking about Starfield? <laughs> yeah. Like this so is a Starfield and Xbox episode. All right. This is all we're going to be talking about, so if you want us to talk about PlayStation... Actually, you know what? I will be talking about PlayStation, and what are we playing? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tease that. Yeah, granted, uh, we are doing this during the Starfield launch week, so it makes sense that it'd be the natural thing we want to bring up. Uh, but let's go ahead and get right into it. Here is what is on our docket for today. Xbox plans to drop four first-party games per year. Phil Spencer doesn't want to leave the series as behind, but should he? And Gears of War 6 could be further along than some of us think. And as a disclaimer, real quick, we just want to say that you can find sources for all the topics we're going over today in the description of this episode. We do that to give out proper credit and if anybody wants to read further about the topics we cover. Also, it's important to note that you should take rumors or reports we cover with a grain of salt until they are officially confirmed or denied. Of course, some reports and rumors will be more reliable, but nothing is 100% in the gaming industry, at least until it is properly announced. And sometimes, even then, it might get canned in the future. With that disclaimer out of the way, here is our main topic of the week. Alright, we talked about it earlier, we teased it, Starfield, expectations, predictions, and more. At the time of this recording, we are only days away from the release of Bethesda's first new IP in decades. Well, if you're playing the game via early access, if not, you have just about a week until you can get your hands on the game. However, there are some out there who have gotten the chance to play the game earlier than the early access release date. Some people got review codes with an embargo keeping them from posting their reviews until Thursday. Or at least I believe it's Thursday since the game is coming out this week. I'm pretty sure it's Thursday. Probably. Uh, then there are. Uh, I'm sorry. Then there could be someone who allegedly committed a crime by stealing copies of the game and posting their own review on social media. Uh, by the way, we aren't getting into that, but I'll leave a link in the story in the description. Actually, Taylor will leave it because Taylor's in charge of all of that. I do want to say, not to interrupt you here, but I'm going to interrupt no, go ahead. you here. That story is fucking wild. It's ridiculous, That's all, man. <laughs> it's all I'm going to say. It is wild. It is ridiculous. I, <laughs> I read the VGC article that I'm going to link, and I was just like, wow, this is real life. That happened, allegedly. Yeah, Rockstar has something similar. It's, it's <laughs> crazy. <laughs> oh, my God. Dude, people the, the are... is crazy. People are just... People are wild. Yeah, man, it's all about clout chasing. Oh, man. But, uh, yeah, after uh, that rambling prelude, that brings us to our main topic of today. With Starfield so close to release and the hype for the game really ramping up now, I wanted us to kind of get our own personal expectations and predictions for the game out into the ether. Furthermore, is there any way Starfield is up to the hype? 
Taylor, take it away with your answer to my last question. I don't know. I truly don't. It does feel like Starfield is really gaining momentum leading up to its release. And keep in mind, and I'm sorry to keep repeating this on so many episodes, I just say it for anybody who's listening to this podcast for the first time, I'm not on social media. The only thing I use is YouTube and Reddit. Yeah, I think it's important to let people know that. Yeah, well, just so people know, like, that's how much it's getting momentum. It's getting into those spheres entirely. Like, it's eating up all of my YouTube algorithm, my Reddit algorithm, all that stuff. It's all anybody wants to talk about right now. And I'm not sure it could live up to the hype. I really, I, I don't know. The sad part is, is I'm not sure quality-wise it needs to be a 10 out of 10 game. I've told a buddy of mine this before. I think it, this is a game that needs to be an 8 out of 10. I don't mean to just put this into a numbers review kind of thing already, but when a game is this built up from a very recognizable publisher, it's been hyped up, as you said, Michael, as the first new IP from Bethesda in 25 plus years, I believe. There's some expectations behind it, so it can't just be okay. It does have to be better than that. It has to be good to great. It's got to hit that 8 out of 10 kind of thing. So that's where I'm kind of at with it, but the sad part is is I do think everybody's going to go into this going, it's got to be a fucking masterpiece or this is a failure. But what are your thoughts on it? Uh, I think at this point, I think you're somewhat right. It does have to be a, a really good game. It doesn't have to be the best ever. But it has to live up to the eights and the nines. Um, and, you know, people, a lot of people are going to be like, oh, it was overhyped. Because that's what any game that gets hyped uh, ends up becoming. It becomes overhyped. But somehow Starfield managed to stay at that line to where people really got hyped within the past couple of weeks. Because, okay, there's no delay. The game is actually coming. Oh, this is cool. The, it's, it's gold. The reviews are out there. It's Bethesda, Todd Howard, let's go. So, yeah, it doesn't have to be 10 out of 10s. Uh, I think it just has to be better and actually meet expectations beyond Redfall. And as much as I hate to keep bringing up Redfall, because I brought it up before because that was one of the games that I was hyped for, uh, you know, that kind of disappointment can derail everything. When Redfall was honestly a bit of a failure, uh, it got... A lot of Xbox gamers, a lot of hopefuls, uh, who's just like, well, what's the point if the games you're going to start releasing, these companies you bought out, if they're just going to release crap, uh, why would I care? Why, why can't we get something like PlayStation fans with The Last of Us and God of War Ragnarok and so forth and so on? Why do they get these amazing games and we get stuff like Redfall, even though we did love Hi-Fi Rush? Uh, so, yeah, I think with Starfield... It just has to be better than Redfall, which I don't think is going to be too hard. And it doesn't have to be like the 10 out of 10 masterpiece, like you said. I disagree with that because, like you said, Redfall was not a good game. And even Phil Spencer has mentioned that. And we'll actually talk about a quote where he mentions that again later on in the show. But this is a game where, like you said, right? Even though we're both sitting here going, hey, look, we're just trying to have fun with this game. We hope it's a good to great game. We're both not hoping for it to be, or we are hoping it for it to be a masterpiece. But we're not putting that like pressure on the game like it's got to be this. 
But this does have to be a good to great game for Xbox. Because Xbox has had some misses. And this is the first time, I think, in a long time where Xbox has had this pressure on them. Even Halo Infinite, for being the IP that is Halo, did not feel as big as Starfield. And what's so interesting about the hype around Starfield right now to me is that it's not a it's not really like a lot of games out there that get hyped up. You think about Cyberpunk, right? That was years of hype. You think about Tears of the Kingdom that came out earlier this year. That was years of hype of everybody waiting for the next Zelda game. Oh, this the sequel got announced. What's it going to be called? When are we going to get to play it? For years, people have been hyped up about that game. For Starfield, it felt like it got announced. Everybody was like, cool. But Elder Scrolls Six, though. I think because uh, 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 Elder Scrolls Six was a safer bet. So I guess for a lot of gamers, that would have been the thing. And I think they were both announced at the same event, if I remember correctly. They were, which is weird. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I think a lot of people were like, yeah, cool, but Elder Scrolls Six, though. And then we got to see some footage for the game, and I don't think it really impressed a lot of people. Oh, definitely not. But everything kind of changed when that Starfield presentation happened, that 45-minute event. And wasn't that just earlier this year? Yeah, earlier this year, it feels like the hype kind of changed where people were like, you know what, this might actually fucking work. And you still didn't see the hype that we are right now until about a week ago. That's when it felt like everything ramped up, right? Yeah. Where some potential leaks hit and you started to hear a lot of talk about it. Like, it got crazy. All right, Taylor, uh, uh, at this time, I'm going to interrupt you. Uh, before before <laughs> before we get into uh, the whole leak thing, you notice uh, you were talking about earlier how there were things that was taking hypes away from uh, Starfield. Mm-hmm. One of the things that was taking the hype away from it was the Activision Blizzard King acquisition. You know what? I think you got a good point there because it yeah. does feel like that was Xbox's. That was the big story for like yeah. That two, was the big story years. around Xbox when it should have been. Xbox's big game this year is going to be Starfield. It well, it was supposed to be Redfall and Starfield, but we know how that yeah ended up. We're going to stop shitting on Redfall. You know, everybody's already done it. I feel like it's been done to death. It's just not original anymore. Taylor, you 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 knew how hyped I was for Redfall. That was oh, the game I was like, hyped. Uh, yeah, I was like, this is going to bring Xbox back. This is what we've been waiting for. Oh man, it's going to be so awesome. And then it came out with a dud. I was like, well, I'm eating crow. So, I personally will not stop shooting on Redfall. <laughs> <laughs> but you have a good point, though. It does feel like a lot of the stories around the news cycle was Xbox Activision Blizzard instead of anything Starfield. Granted, yeah. they didn't really have anything to talk about until that Starfield presentation back in June, but still, yeah, I, I think you do have a good point there. Um I guess here's my next question to you, Michael. What are you hoping personally to see from Starfield? We both have probably seen some leaks here and there. I I, I avoided the leaks. You avoided the leaks. Okay. I have not been able to. I've went over to the gaming leaks and rumors Reddit, and uh, I've seen a few things. Not anything story-wise, 
Oh, okay. Thanks, well, man. I did see one where somebody showed one of the planets that was like barren, and I was like, okay, that's not a problem. But yeah, but mo- but mostly I've been able to avoid spoilers and leaks. The most monumental thing I've seen is the traits and backgrounds, which mm, okay. if that's true, awesome. That's all I'm gonna say. Awesome. Like I'm hundred percent behind it. I know Phil talked about becoming a space pirate. That like that was his go-to. So I was like, oh man, I really want to see what these things are like, but I want to wait until the game comes out. Oh my gosh, I get to suffer for a few more days. So what are you personally hoping to see from Starfield? As somebody who just admitted has not seen any of the leaks. Personally, I am looking for that open world itch that so many games have been unable to give me. That freedom with out being too restrictive but also without being too unrestrictive to where i'm just gonna get lost and get bored and not care anymore uh i do enjoy skyrim i enjoy the open world because when you go somewhere there's always something like there's some random event going on there's some strange character you get to meet or whatever there's all kinds of side quests you stumble upon i'm kind of hoping for more of that i'm hoping to just stumble upon all kinds of discoveries and side stories and characters and worlds and i do i do remember hearing about uh how traveling around uh you will end up like meeting certain characters that you can skip over by accident and that's what i'm hoping to see more of of just accidental adventures happening only in space although according to phil if if the game is more uh oblivion than Skyrim, and I liked Oblivion, so now I'm a little more hyped for that because Oblivion did a great job with their open world. Now, as somebody who hasn't played Oblivion, but I've played Skyrim, can you tell me and anybody like me what that exactly means? So Oblivion's open world felt well-structured. It it, it does feel like they took it to another level with Skyrim. Uh, They did try to do more, Uh, but with Oblivion, it felt far more structured, like handcrafted um, uh, handcrafted events that were just happening that felt like it was at random, but also felt like it was part of the world and that you came across it because you were supposed to, uh, especially when it comes to the Oblivion Gates themselves. Those, while part of the main story, opened up a whole new avenue of what felt like side quests, while also your side quests felt well-structured to where they felt like they were meaningful like meaningful missions and stories uh with skyrim it felt less like that somehow it felt more like they focused on the open world and giving uh the players more freedom to do stuff rather than the open world feeling more structured and catered to the players discovering uh discovering things on their own while running around the the, the open world so i guess for me I'm hoping that Bethesda, this is going to sound weird, but I'm hoping that Bethesda kind of gets their mojo back. That sounds weird to say with a question like, what are you hoping to see out of the Starfield? But back in the day with like Fallout 3 and with Skyrim, and I can't speak to Oblivion, but it seems like Oblivion, from what you've said, and from what so many people have talked about, it's like those two other games. Towards, there was just personality into it. There was care put into it. There was just attention to detail. There was immersion. 
The game was so fun to play, even though it was buggy as hell. Super buggy. Yeah. And what I'm kind of hoping out of Starfield is that Bethesda really, they got their mojo back. That they captured that lightning in the bottle again. That they got the love of making these worlds with this new IP. Because if they did, that means we are going to get a game of the quality of a Skyrim, of a Fallout 3, of an Oblivion. And I would really love to play one of those games again. Because, man, gaming in 2023, it's a love-hate relationship, ain't it? It is. I will admit it's better than last year. Uh, and yeah. everything's been better since, better since 2021. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I think 20. I think 23 and 2024, uh, they're going to be the years where we're like, oh, we're back at the golden, uh, the golden age of, uh, of, of, of gaming, or at least the releases of games. Uh, because as much as we like, oh, all these delays, what happened in 2020, the whole COVID deal definitely derailed everything. But it feels like we're starting to wrap that back up. But yeah, I really do hope this is the continuation of gaming getting back to uh, releasing games of high quality, of fun quality, like, in intervals. Yeah. But in terms of just the game itself, so I don't feel like I'm giving just a cop-out answer, I'm hoping that there's enough content to keep me playing for, like, everybody who's played the game has said, hundreds of hours. Because this is the kind of game it's supposed to be. And I hope that content, as much as I love the game, is not like No Man's Sky. To where it's all, you just make your own fun. And you create the base, and you find the planet. Like, I hope there's enough story there. I hope there's enough, like you said, random encounters. It's just stuff that you can find that keeps the world alive. Because as much as I love No Man's Sky, I feel like the one big glaring issue other than combat, is that sometimes for a world that has so many planets and so much life, it feels lifeless. And I hope Starfield doesn't feel like that. I'm fine with the restrictions that have already been talked about. I am fine with not being able to roam around the entire planet. I don't need to roam around the entire planet. Just make the parts that you can explore worth exploring. And it doesn't have to be every planet is worth exploring. Just enough of them to keep the player playing for hundreds of hours. And I do feel like Bethesda is going to pull that off. Yeah, I, I do too because uh, Todd already talked about how, like, yeah, some of our planets are handcrafted. Uh, not all of them will be as detailed or as handcrafted as uh, some of the ones we've talked about in the past and yada yada. And he made it very clear. It's like, yeah, uh, there's an area when you land that you can explore. Because I know someone's talking about, oh, there's invisible walls or it loads up while you're trying to roam around. It's like, well, it's an entire planet. I mean, that's 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 going to be uh, quite the load to, to handle for any system, PC, Xbox, PlayStation, otherwise. Uh, but I, re I really do hope that the content is there. That, man, I forgot all about when I tried playing No Man's Sky and how it was just make your own fun, break this down to build this thing so you can break another thing, so you can build this thing, which you can use to make a piece of a base. I was like, oh my God, this is a chore. Why am I doing this? Like, I don't want to do chores. I want to play the game. 
but so far it looks like Bethesda might avoid that where the most constructions got to do is like make my own battleship and I'm like yes I will do that I can't wait to make battleships and fight in space and then land on a planet uh, but yeah I, I do hope the uh, content is there because, man, over, I, we've heard games talk about, oh, yeah, you could be in this world for over 100 hours and yada, yada, yada. And after like 50, after like 20 to 40 hours, I'm like, yeah, I don't care anymore. I want to I be done with this. Yeah, all those other hours are just like you said, a chore. It's a chore, yeah. But uh, Bethesda has always done a good job of making sure that they put enough content uh in their games to where even after you spend 100 hours in it there's still some other things to do so i think they'll keep it up with uh with, with starfield and just to bring up an example here that's not no man's sky look at something like the newer assassin's creeds origins odyssey Whoa. valhalla to whereas they're bigger games that they have longer play times but the big complaint about those games is people go but there's no point to it it's just, it feels lifeless. It doesn't feel like it's worth playing for that much time. If you just gave people a shorter, more focused game, it'd be better. And hence why I think we are getting Assassin's Creed Mirage. Is they're trying to test the waters for a more focused Assassin's Creed again. And I say all this to be like, again, I don't mind Bethesda restricting the player in some kind of way. Just because you can go anywhere doesn't mean you should be able to go everywhere in a game. <laughs> yes. Because it just sometimes it, you'll kind of get distracted. Then you'll start to be like, there's nothing to do here. This is just boring. And I think Bethesda wants to avoid that. And again, this is coming from somebody who loves No Man's Sky. I really do. And they had just had a new update, by the way. We're not going to talk about it. It was pretty cool. Oh, what's it called? Uh, Echoes? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool update. But it feels like that game is different than what Starfield's trying to be. Which is what Samaki's bringing up, yes. Yeah, and there's some similarities, sure. Hell, I made some similarities myself. I tried to compare it. But as a game, I do feel like they're two separate games. It's not trying to emulate No Man's Sky. It's trying to be its own thing. It's trying to be a Bethesda game. And that's where, getting into my predictions, that's what I think it's going to be. That's what I think everybody's going to say. The general consensus around this game, I think it is going to succeed. How much it succeeds is another question, but I do think people are going to pretty much champion that this is a Bethesda classic through and through. Man, especially with how excited Phil Spencer sounded when he was talking about the game during Gamescom. Okay, I'm like, oh my goodness, (laughs) this might actually be it, man. (laughs) This is, we talked about in the past the difference between Soup Phil Spencer and Gamer Phil Spencer. And uh, during Gamescom, we definitely got uh, Gamer Phil Spencer. Oh, just wait till later in the script. Uh, <laughs> I, got, I got something for old Phil Spencer later in the script. <laughs> yeah, so uh, actually, Taylor, before we move on to our, another story, do you buy the reports out there that Starfield is the least buggy game but this has ever made? <laughs> Look, I was going to segue to that with Todd Howard because oh, you no. talked about Todd Howard a lot. And look, personally, <laughs> yeah. I don't have anything against the guy. He seems like a fine person. I have, But he's never going to live down the uh, Fallout 76 E3 thing. That yeah, It yeah. just works and everything he said about it, he's never going to live it down. 
So it's really funny how now it's coming out saying Starfield's the least buggy Bethesda game ever. And while that's impressive, the cynical asshole in me wants to be like, that's not saying much. That's okay because I was the same way. I was like, what what does that even mean? <laughs> Granted, like, there they, are potential leaks out there saying that they have not encountered any bugs and they are hours into the game, which is awesome if true. I've heard people say that all the time when I play mm-hmm. game when I play certain games that got buggy. Um there was a game I was reviewing. It was Saints Row, the reboot. And I was like, Yeah, man, it's buggy, it crashes, uh some of the missions don't play out. And some people were showing off like, yeah, I had uh, missions where key catches would disappear and yada, yada. And then, of course, you have people like, huh, I played the game for like 50 hours, 100 hours. I never got any of that. It's like, well, good for you. Well, guess what? Some people didn't get that privilege. Some of us did face bugs. So when people say that it's the least buggiest, I'm like, what do you mean by that? Like, did it not crash? Like, did the characters not disappear? Did they not go flying in the air when a giant alien ogre hit him with a hammer like what is that what what is it what what do you mean by it's the least buggiest well in starfield's defense here i think we can say that this game since it got delayed you look at what happened to redfall i think you can make some leaps to go okay bethesda play tested the shit out of this because you would think that's what they would have done with the time you know what i mean yeah. So I think you can make the leap to be like, okay, this is a this is a pretty polished game overall. Whether or not it lives up to being a polished game is going to be another question entirely. But I can understand a lot of the talk coming out, and I can kind of buy into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I just I just kind of want to know, like when you say the least buggiest. Yeah, with Bethesda, you need a few more details. I hate to yeah. say that. Y- yeah, you know, no, you, you I really love Bethesda, <laughs> but yeah, no, you really, you really do because it's like that's very vague. It's the least buggy. That doesn't mean nothing to us, all right. That doesn't really mean a whole lot because we played Skyrim. We know, forget it. We played the Elder Scrolls. Okay, we we played those games. We know they're buggy. For a lot of people, the bugs and the Bethesda game is part of the fun and charm. So it's like, what do you mean? Like, is is it is it like? You don't get the the annoying bugs like the crashes, or you don't get the fun bugs like characters walking in a strange fashion or walking through walls. Like, what do you mean? I think that's changed though. The whole bit about people think the bugs in these Bethesda games are part of the charm, and I think that changed yeah. with Fallout seventy six. I think that was the breaking point for people, and they were like, you know what? You look back at Fallout four. And the bugs that that game has, fuck that shit. The game should be better. And I think people now look at Bethesda games, not with the charm of the bugs, but going, man, that engine is dog shit. And you, they do have a new engine now, so hopefully that ends up being much better. Hmm, man. Well, I don't know. It's just so, it's, it, is, it is so strange. Uh, oh, Bethesda's been through it. Here. They need this yeah, win. They have. <laughs> I hate to put so much pressure on this game. And I know we both, at the start Todd. of this conversation, talked about, like, hey, this game, we're just looking to have fun with it. But in overall, the grand scheme of things, this game needs to be a win 
not a, a absolute home run. I don't think it needs to win game of the year. I don't think it needs to be a 10 out of 10. But this game needs to be good to great for Xbox and for Bethesda. And, as I think you were about to say, for Todd Howard. Yeah, Todd definitely needs, because like you said, 76 was a big embarrassment for him. And he definitely, and this is, seems like a passion project for him. It feels like his like reputation has gone up and down. It's been a roller coaster over the past, what, 10 years? So I think he needs this win, too, for just that. It's fun. It's funny that it took 76 for people to be like, no, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't acceptable. Uh, so I think it's because of the way he, he hyped it up. Yeah, that's part of Todd Howard's job, too. I, I'm not going to hate on the guy personally for it. It's part of the job is to sell the game. But man, what a, what a whiff. What a all-time whiff. That was a straight up snake oil sale, man. <laughs> like, like, like he said, it's his job to sell it, but man, that was straight up snake oil. Whether he thought so or not, just man, I cannot believe how bad Fallout Under Six was at launch. Seems to be a good game now. Yeah, it's too little, too late. Honestly, I enjoyed watching the crash, the uh, the, the 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 fireball that was Seventy Six launch when it first happened. Uh, because I was like, bro, there's no way people are actually believing this. He's like, yeah, this is going to be this much detail. But every time we saw the game, it looked like a Fallout game. I was like, uh, are you guys actually buying into this? And then it happened. I was like, well, there we go. I guess I guess there is a, a line for Bethesda fans. Where they're like, okay, we love Fallout, but Todd, no. So I'm glad to see that there were like some standards there for uh, Fallout fans. We don't have this in our outline here, but I have one last question. I guess to end our Starfield conversation on a bright note, I want to talk about the story a little bit. We don't know a whole lot about the story of Starfield. I feel like we're going to learn so much in the first 20 minutes of the game. Because <laughs> all we know is really, from my knowledge, the factions and that there is no intelligent alien life. There is alien life, it seems like, on planets, but not intelligent alien life. What are you expecting out of the story? Because I don't think anybody looks at Fallout and the Elder Scrolls as masterpieces in story, like a God of War 2018 or Red Dead Redemption 2. But what are you expecting from it? Because for me, I'm expecting it to have some really fun lore. I, what I'm really hoping to get out of this game, and I'll just throw this all over to you, is a very fun experience I can sink hours into and get immersed in. That's the thing I'm looking for. Because I remember back to 2018 when Red Dead Redemption 2 came out, and I sat in an Xbox Live party with a few of my friends. We were all playing Red Dead Redemption 2. None of us spoke a word for like two or three hours <laughs> because we were all just, I don't want to say two to three hours, probably like an hour or two hours because we were all just immersed into the game and we're just paying attention to the story. And it was like, we just forgot we were in a party with other people. And it was like, looking back at it, it was really impressive from Rockstar and it's really funny. And that's what I'm hoping happens here. It's whereas I'm just in a party and you don't hear from me for about two hours while playing it because I'm just that immersed into the game. Okay. Bethesda's done it before. I'm hoping they can do it again. So what are you expecting from the story and the lore here? 
I'm not expecting anything to be honest. I am going mm. completely. I'm, yep, I'm going in completely blind, deaf, and dumb. Uh, all I know is like I can be a space pirate. I can be a hero. I can be a villain. I can be a vigilante. I can help people. Hey, that's all I need. I I don't want to know uh, the, the 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 lore just yet. Uh, even though I know that they said there's a museum within the game that you can go to, you can go to for the lore. And I was like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool that they give you options to take the time to learn more about the world, the universe that is Starfield. So like, I just want to go in knowing absolutely nothing. All I know is I'm a space pirate or a space pilot or maybe a charity guy. I don't know. I don't know what I am yet, Taylor. I'm going to go in this world just completely unknowing. Hey, man, that's completely fair. And I don't blame anybody for wanting to do that. I'm just so hyped for this game, man. We don't have to wait long. <laughs> well, you won't have to wait long. I, on the other hand... Oh, you got some stuff to do. You're going to be yeah, unavailable to, to play video games for the weekend. So I I am sorry for you. I am so sorry for your loss. It happened It happened at the time. Because at first, man, I was like, oh, yeah, that's cool. I'll just I'll just pre-download and whatnot and, and, and try it later. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I won't be here the whole time. I'm going to be gone until uh, till late Sunday, the following Monday. And I'm like, no. And I have to avoid uh, Twitter for a little longer or avoid Starfield on Twitter for a little longer because I know that's going to be on my timeline like crazy throughout the weekend. Not only that, now you push back our deep dive discussion because you know we're going to do a deep dive discussion on this game. But now we can't do it Monday or next Monday. Oh, my goodness. That's right. All right, Taylor, here it is. Okay, maybe, maybe if I, gosh darn it. It's fine. It's not. It gives me another week <laughs> to play the game and get my thoughts oh, composed for it. I have no issues with taking a little more time, and I hope the listeners don't either, because, Oh, they'll be too busy know, playing. We, wanna, we don't want to rush our opinions out on the game based on only a few hours of playtime. That's unfair to the developers. I think it's unfair to us, too. To be like, hey, you gotta come up with a definite opinion. You gotta speak it into a microphone. You only played the game for a few hours. And for this kind of game, that's not enough. You really need, yeah, you really do need to take time. For something like Madden, I think you can play 8 to 10 hours and get the gist <laughs> of a review. I don't think you can for Starfield. Probably not the best idea. Probably not. All right. But let's move on to our other stories of the week. Taylor, you mind going ahead and taking it away? Don't mind if I do, Michael. And our first story in our Xbox episode revolves around Xbox boss Phil Spencer reiterating that the company plans to release four first-party games per year. While speaking to Xbox boss Phil Spencer at Gamescom, IGN asked if Xbox was still on track to release four first-party first titles per year. Say that five times fast. If you don't know, Xbox's Matt Booty said that back in June. So that's why I was brought up. Anyway, here was Spencer's response. Quote, More than that this year. If we start with Hi-Fi Rush, Minecraft Legends, Redfall, maybe people don't want to give us credit for Redfall, I get it, but I understand, Starfield, Forza, 
We just dropped Age of Empires 4 console last night. Awesome. I'm going to play that. And then going into next year, absolutely. We have talked about it as an aspiration. Now we talk about it as our plan, end quote. Love that Phil Spencer mentioned Redfall in that kind of way in the quote. Uh, It does seem like the days of us waiting for Xbox to release first-party titles are finally coming to an end. What are your thoughts on this? And keep in mind, now the question moves from when will Xbox drop these games to how good are these games going to be? Hmm. You know, that's a good question. Um, Man. I, I don't know that I, that's 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 the biggest thing that Xbox is going to be going up against is how good are these things going to be because the hype is going to be there. All right. Xbox fans are hungry. So, yeah, we're waiting. Uh, we've been waiting for what? Six, almost 10 years now. Uh, been waiting a Xbox, while. Yeah. For Xbox to get back on like the 360 train and release stuff that just made you want to get hyped. Because like you said earlier in the show, Halo dropped and it wasn't a big event. Like, even when Halo ODST was coming out, it was a big deal. The only reason Infinite kind of felt like a big event is because they released it early. They released a multiplayer early. Yeah, and they released the multiplayer early. Yeah, and it was free. And <laughs> to talk about real quick, like, how good are these games going to be? I do understand we're putting the cart before the horse here. Because Starfield has to be great. Like, they got to yeah. actually get off the races pretty fast here and hope that game's good. And then they can start focusing on fable and all the other games they got going on. State of the K three is coming out. Hellblade two, all those other games. But I think it is a fair question at this point, because now we do know that, okay, Xbox is going to release four first party games per year. This has come from two executives now. Yeah. But the problem is the problem is, you know, they've already had game development issues with, like, so many of their top-notch games. Even if they delay one or two games, that's still two first-party titles coming out per year. That's I solid. mean, yeah, I, I, I get that, but, like, Fable's having uh, development issues. Perfect Dark has been in development hell for who knows how long. Yeah. And it's just like, and we know that there's a bunch of other games that they're working on that hasn't been announced. But it's like, man... I don't know, man. Even PlayStation don't release four first-party games a year. Like, even yeah. they're like, hey. That's what I'm saying. Two is solid. It, like, delays yeah. happen. Xbox has been known to delay games that needed it. Whether that works out in the long run is a whole different story. But they have been known to delay a game if a developer needs more time. Yeah, that's the great thing about Xbox is that they will actually uh, delay a game. Hell, uh, you brought up Infinite. Infinite was delayed a whole year. Like, that was supposed to be a launch title for the Series S and X, and they delayed that a whole year. So, you know, they're willing to give these games as much time as they need. And, you know, uh, we, say, we say the quality has to be there, but so far, some of the stuff that Bethesda's released, Hi-Fi Rush uh, was great. Even Ghostwire Tokyo was good. I mean, Xbox has released. Was, you said well, Bethesda. I know we have Bethesda no, no. on our mind. But, no, no, no. That's what I'm saying. Like they, they're, they're like, uh, we're going by quality. Like even Bethesda, the way they've been releasing their games on Xbox, uh, they've been pretty good. And we talked about um, Microsoft, uh, Xbox willing to delay games. They're willing to put the time in for the quality. So I think from what we've seen so far with some of the stuff that they released, with the exception of Redfall, I think 
it's a pretty good thing that they got going on. I think I think we're in uh, we're in good hands. Wait, is Tango part of Bethesda? Yeah. Oh, that makes more sense. Okay, because you mentioned yeah. Ghostwire and Hi-Fi Rush. I was like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, Tango is part of Bethesda. I mean, it's, it's part of Zenimax. Yeah, my bad. All right. Well, point being though, what are your thoughts on Xbox releasing at least a few first-party titles per year? I'm completely okay with two a year. I'm I'm with you on that. Like two years, two games a year is solid. I know people are like, oh no, I want a game every other month. Like you don't really need that. Like in order to keep quality up. Uh, I am completely okay with them doing two games a year for a year. If they can do it, that's awesome. Oh, no, that, that, that's, that's great. Yeah, we're hoping for four per year. We're just going like, hey, the lowest I feel like you can go without pissing people off will be two first-party titles per year. Anything yeah, lower, I think they're going to get people back on the Xbox can't make a game trend <laughs> xbox has no games even i was on that train even i even on the show even i was like yeah they're better at releasing uh peripherals and accessories than they are video games so if they get on their their, their cross their t's not their i's their p's and q's and all that uh for for a year i honestly think it's a bit much but i'm definitely i agree with you i'm definitely down with two a year Let's go ahead and move on to our next story. Phil Spencer doesn't want to leave the Xbox series behind. But should he? IGN wasn't the only publication to speak with old Phil. Eurogamer got the chance to catch up with the half-gamer, half-robot himself, and one of the questions they asked was, quote, Is there a future where you do have to leave it, the Series S, behind for some titles. Baldur's Gate 3 is a big one this year, and obviously, we're still waiting for the Xbox version of that, and where split-screen appears to be the issue. And it was mentioned recently that Forza Motorsport won't ship with split-screen, end quote. Spencer responded, quote, Those two things aren't really related. Forza Motorsport was never going to have split-screen. That's just a decision the team made based on usage. We see how many people play in split screen and just decided to put our dev effort where people are actually playing. On S, specifically, we designed the box with similarities to the Series X and clear places where we're targeting a different performance. And we're taking feedback from devs, including Larian. I met with them today to talk about it, and I'm confident we're going to find a good solution and we're going to learn. I don't see a world where we drop the Xbox Series S. In terms of parity, I don't think you've heard from us or Larian that this was about parity. I think that's more that the community is talking about it. There are features that ship on Series X today that do not ship on Series S, even from our own games, like ray tracing that works on Series X but not on Series X in certain games. So for a S consumer, they spend roughly half of what the X consumer bought. They understand that it's not going to run the same way. I want to make sure games are available on both. That's our job as a platform holder, and we're committed to that with our partners. And I think we're going to get there with Larian. I'm not overly worried about that, but we've learned some stuff through it. 
having an entry-level price point for consoles sub $300 is a good thing for the industry. I think it's important. The Switch has been able to do that in terms of kind of the traditional plug-in to my television consoles. I think it's important. So we're committed, end quote. It's clear Spencer is not willing to abandon the Series S. I was talking to a friend of mine about this, and we were going back and forth on whether or not they should drop the Series S. For me personally, I feel like it's time to drop the Xbox One and then see what happens. I'm not really sure why the story seems to be only focused on the Series S holding back games, if that makes any sense. What's your take on it, and what are your thoughts on Spencer's comments? Um, it's definitely one of those business decision kind of things. Um, I don't mind the S. Like I already knew when they announced it, I was going to get the X. Uh, I understood why the Series S existed. Uh, of course, it's, it was obviously there just to replace the One X. So you're basically buying a slightly stronger One X. Um, so for me, it was like, it's a no-brainer to skip it. But there are plenty of people who aren't into ray tracing and the most powerful console and 600,000 bazillion terabytes gigawatts or whatever. There are some people who just want to play games. And if they can get a cheaper option, they will. Uh, like, yeah, we're, we're going sans disk. We're going slightly less powerful or slightly more powerful than our last generation, but weaker than our current top of the line premium it makes business sense uh playstation 5 went a different route where it was hey you get the same powerful console one with disc one without i would have liked to see the series s do something like that but at the same time i also understand why they went the route that they did uh my niece and nephew they have a series s you know it's just a good entry point and for a lot of people uh, especially in places like Japan, they don't want a big console like the PlayStation 5 and the Series X. They want smaller consoles. Even in America, some places, you know, they're like, I want, I want something small. Uh, the Switch is small, compact, and you can carry it with you and play your games on the go, which is what made that such a great console for gamers in general. Uh, but that $300 price point was great for mom and dad and grandma who's looking for a christmas gift uh, and i think the series s also fits that round where that 300 dollars was the good point of hey i'm gonna get this for my child and you know for a lot of people they just play madden and nba 2k that's their games for the year so something like the series s is good for them because they can just download those games and play those games and they're just fine because games like madden and 2k they're not using this the Series X and the PlayStation 5 to its full potential. They're not using the ray tracing. Um, they're not using the Dolby Atmos and the spatial audio. They're, they're just there for the people who buy the same game every year. And there's nothing wrong with that in a business sense. I'll tell you what, not to completely ruin your train of thought here, but oh, actually, Madden's not done. using, uh, I was going to say, Madden's not using load times. They're not using those fast load times. I'll tell you that. Uh, but please continue. I had to throw a random dig at Madden. I'm sorry. Hey, man, that's okay. Uh, you played Madden 24. I didn't. So I know that you have a chip on your shoulder a little bit. Uh, but yeah, just to finish up my thoughts, you know, those games, they're not using the Series X and PlayStation 5 to their fullest potential. Uh, so I'm with Phil. 
the Series S shouldn't be left behind. It, sh it deserves to be part of the Xbox family. And I can understand why a lot of people don't like it, but I also see why it's a good thing for uh, the gaming public in general. Yeah, I echo a lot of your sentiments there. And I want to repeat what I said earlier. I think, if anything right now, the issue is last-gen support. I understand that not everybody has migrated to the Series X, Series S, or PS5. But at this point, I feel like it is counterproductive for studios to make last-gen versions of these games. And I look at those two examples you just named, 2K and Madden. Madden 24 is the same fucking game as Madden 23 on last-gen. What's the point? And I know there's still some games that it, there is a point to it. The Call of Duties, for example, they have yet to abandon last-gen. But I feel like we are at the point now. A few years in, you can now obtain a PS5, you can get an Xbox Series X, you can get an Xbox Series S. The Series S is fairly cheap compared to the other two options. I feel like if you were going to upgrade, you would have by now. Or at least by the midpoint of next year. You know? Mm. Now, granted, everybody... It's very important to know everybody's different. Everybody's situations are different financially. Everybody's gaming experience and what they're into is different as well. So I don't mean to paint that with a broad brush. But at some point, you do have to end support for last gen. Because you're going to be holding back the next gen. And I feel like we are kind of there. So I don't know why the story is about the Series S when it should be about the Xbox One. Well, mm, okay. Well, man, you know, that is kind of tough. Uh, that a lot, of, a lot of developers, they do have to make the decision of what they're going to release their game on. And you got to remember, yes, it's been about three years since the PS5 and Series SX. There's also COVID but, as well. Yeah, yeah, there was also COVID. Uh, it delayed a lot of games. A lot of games that were being built specifically on the PS4 and Xbox One, One X, uh, they're being ported over to the uh, PS5 and the Series X. But we are, I think we are going to start seeing within the next year or so, we're going to start seeing more and more developers transition purely to the uh, Series X and PS5. Mm -hmm. Although I also, I hate to say it, but I also think we're going to see games stay on this Xbox One X and PlayStation 4 a little longer than we're used to because of the uh, inflating prices that, oh, I'm sorry, the inflating costs to develop games. It's becoming too much of a risk to ask people for $70 uh, on the next gen console when they can do it $70 on the next gen console and $60 on the old. Or they can just do 70 flat out. And it's like, oh yeah, you get it on the old and the new. So when you do upgrade to the new one, you can take your game with you. So with that kind of stuff going on, I do think we'll see more games. We'll see games, or see game developers stay on the PS4 and the One X a little bit longer. Yeah. It's a tough question though, man. It It's a tough predicament to be in. It is. Because you is. don't know, like you do see the argument that the Series S is holding back developers from using the full potential of the PS5 and the Series X. But at the same time, 
the Series S is, as Phil Spencer said, a fairly cheap option, which is very useful. And it's very pro-consumer there. And he mentioned the Switch. I think the Switch is very pro-consumer in terms of price. I think that's one of the reasons why it succeeded so much. And even when you go to the last-gen support, I know I just sat here and said, I think it is time for us to move on. But also, like I said, everybody's situation is different. It's tough to be like, yeah, I'm sorry that you didn't get a Series S or X, but tough luck. Bye. (laughs) You know? It's kind of hard to do that, too. That's selfish. Yeah, like it's, it's a tough situation to be in. I don't know what the answer is. But in terms of if one's got to go within the next year and a half, two years, I seriously do not understand why the Series S is the story here instead of the last-gen console. It's weird. (laughs) No, it is. And it's just people trying to find something to to complain about. It's like, oh, the Series S is holding back development. Like We get this every year. You know, we always get this like, oh, this is holding back uh, this console. Uh, before it was, oh, man, the PS4 and the Xbox One X is holding back PC games. And, oh, man, uh, the PS5, uh, the PS4 is holding back PS5 games. And the, and, and the Series S is holding back blah, 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 blah. We, we always get that. And it's just because gamers don't actually understand how game development works. And it's not, hey... This is holding it back. Because if that's the point, go ask any PC player if they feel that a NVIDIA GTX 2070 is holding back their 4090. Developers still have to make sure uh, their game works on older cards and older CPUs. Go ask somebody if an i5 is holding back their i9 or their i7. You're speaking gibberish to me now. (laughs) Also, I'm going with the PC route. Um, <laughs> no, you got a good like, point. I'm just trying to be an asshole here, bringing <laughs> some levity to the conversation. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, for, for gamers to be like, oh no, the Series S is holding back game. No, it's not. It's not holding back anything. Uh, developers could develop a game on the Series X and then tone it down for the Series S. Maybe long term, they could have they an do. argument there. But we are three years in to this next-gen life cycle? Come on. Like I said, the PC crowd would tell you, they have, like, they have GPUs that's 10 years old and yeah. is still playing modern games. Maybe not at 4K 60 frames, but they're still able to play them. And they're not complaining like, oh, no, these old cars are holding my, uh, my PC game. No, they're not, because it's not true. That's not how game development works. And any game developer that comes out is like, oh, no, we couldn't do this because of the Series S. It's like, that's not true at all. You made the decision to do this. You could have easily done what the, um, the team who made uh, the, Harry, the newest Harry Potter game. They went, hey, we're going to make the PC Series X and PS5 version first, and we're going to go back. And we're going to continue development to make sure the game can work on the One X and the PS4 Pro. Like, you can do that. That is a financial decision. That is a game developer decision. That is a game publisher decision. That is not, oh, the console's too weak, so we had to make the premium version weaker. No, you don't. You could focus on the premium version and then come back and water down the game for the older systems. But you don't want to do that because guess what? That costs a little bit of money. That costs more resources. So instead, you want to say, oh, we couldn't do it all at once. So it's this version's fault. That is purely a business-making decision. And I wish gamers would finally figure out 
That's why uh, certain developers make the decision and not because your console is holding someone else back. Because that is absolutely not true. Yeah, I think you've made a lot of good points. I think the comparison on PC is pretty appropriate. Did I just go on a rant about PC games? Oh my gosh, I'm becoming one of them. <laughs> becoming one of them. <laughs> well, let's move on to our last story as Michael has an existential crisis. Gears <laughs> of War 6 could be a little further along than some people think. This comes from the Xbox Era podcast, which apparently has some Xbox-related scoops in the past. Which is a no-shit statement there, right? An Xbox podcast (laughs) talks about Xbox. Uh, Anyway, on the Xbox Era podcast, Nick Baker suggested that Gears 6 could be a little further along than some might think, and there is, quote, a strong possibility, end quote, that the game is a full open-world title. Now, after listening to the excerpt from the podcast, I need to make it very clear. This was presented as a rumor, not a guarantee or a definite report. Hell, the Gear 6 bit was in a segment called the Rumor Mill that had a whole song about it in the thing. So, just take it with a grain of salt. The last bit is interesting, though. As the Xbox Era podcast team suggested, Gears 5 had some open-world elements So it wouldn't be too far-fetched for the next game to dive deeper into those aspects. Michael, what are your thoughts on this rumor? And would you be open, pun intended, to Gear 6 being more of an open-world game? Okay, so Gears 5 had a pseudo-open world. You know, there were certain areas where they would allow you to go around to different areas um, and do different missions, which I thought was kind of cool. I was like, okay, this is a cool step. But for a completely open world, for Gears of War, where the whole idea of Gears of War is to get into the action, hit cover, and uh, flank your uh, enemies, and beat them brutally to a pulp with a pistol, I don't like the idea of it. I liked what they did with Gears 5. I thought it was a step in the right directions where, hey, we have areas that's pure Gears of War, where it's, it's claustrophobic and, you know, and, and you might be stuck in a hallway with like five enemies that's coming at you and a boomer with a rocket launcher. It's like, okay, this is cool. This is tense. Maybe there's a, 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 an arena, you know, that's one thing about Gears is they do cool arenas. But then again, you know, by the, by, uh, the, by the company that, that's uh famous for quake you know it makes sense that they would be good at arena uh type uh levels i thought that was that's amazing i love this uh gears 5 when they did a little bit of open world i was like okay this is focused there's actually streamlined where it feels like it's not here just to be here whereas hey you have to go to this area this area and that area but we're not going to make you walk there you know we're going to give you this cool uh this cool sand glider thing which is actually pretty fast and, you know, I was like, okay, this is cool because I can see the next area in the distance and I can see what I can do and it's fun. But if they're going to go completely open world, I don't know if that's the right call. And the only reason I say that is because Halo could have worked well as an open world. 
but Halo Infinite did not sell me on the idea of an open world Halo game. And honestly, I don't know if I'm going to be sold on an open world Gears of War unless they show me that they were able to laser focus on the open world and handcraft it to where it feels natural to the world. And I'm not just doing chores like we've said before in this podcast. Michael, you and I need to take some lessons from sports media because we're doing a poor job at having heated debates because I agree with you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we need to have heated debates, man. Hey, oh, man. apparently uh, that's the way it's done. <laughs> it's not the way it should be done, <laughs> but yeah, apparently it is. Uh, besides the point, no, man, I do agree with you. I, I don't know if it's the right call, but it's one of those things that it's a rumor, take it with a grain of salt, and this is just somebody saying that this could be the case, this could be what Gear 6 could be. We haven't seen it, you know? On paper, this could be a bad idea. And execution could be a fantastic idea. Could be the thing that makes Gear 6 worth playing. So, I'm not really sure what to really take from this. It's just... I think the thing I'm really taking from it is the first part of the rumor. That it could be further along than some people think. Gear 6 has been talked about for a while. And there's been some stories about its development. To hear, like, potentially the game is a little bit further along than some might think. We talked about earlier in the show. Xbox plans to release four first-party games per year. Where does Gear 6 fit into that? Is it 2024? Is it 2025? There's a lot of slots now. No, because Xbox recently did a show to where they were showing off their games that were hit up uh, in about 2024 and maybe even beginning of 2025. And there was no mention of Gears at all. Yeah. So I think, I think at the earliest, we might get a teaser at Xbox Fan Fest next year because it seems like Microsoft or Xbox... They like to announce their games on average two or three years early. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that. I don't know about you. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. I don't like it. (laughs) I don't really care for it. Yeah, I don't like it. Uh, But that seems to be the thing that they've been doing just to show people that, hey, we do have games coming, (laughs) but it takes forever that you forget. Uh, So, yeah, I think at the earliest we might hear about Gear 6 as a teaser, not even a full-blown announcement, but as a teaser at uh, FanFest next year. So, I don't know, man. This grain of salt, it's a whole factory. So, uh. <laughs> Well, let's go ahead and get out of here, Michael. Let's talk about what we've been playing. And I've been waiting a long time to say this. <laughs> I have got my massive mitts on a PlayStation 5. It only took you three years. It took me a while. Alright, I finally got one. And I played Spider-Man Miles Morales. I have now beaten the game. It was really, really good. The villain was absolutely horrible. In every oh. sense of the word. But overall, the game was really fun. Miles Morales is awesome. His mom is awesome. And the gameplay, it really did feel like Spider-Man 1.5. And I say that as a compliment. It didn't feel like it was just DLC. And I think that's what I was worried about years ago going in. Like, okay, is this going to be just basically a new DLC for Spider-Man you're hyping up as a 
PS5 title. It doesn't feel like that. It feels like its own game. I wish the game was actually a little bit longer. I know it wasn't supposed to be. It was supposed to just hold people over. But I think that the villain and the game being so short is what really holds it back. But overall, I had a really fun time with it. It's a great game. Highly recommend it. All right. As you talk shit about people not having a PS5 and Series X early in our podcast. (laughs) I got it today. You should have it already. (laughs) No, that's not what I meant. You know it. I meant it's three years past that, and I know it's a tough situation. I'm not not advocating out here for 100% like, hey, you know what? Let's tell everybody who has just an Xbox One and a PS4 to go fuck themselves. Just saying. Maybe about a year and a half from now, two years, we end the support of those consoles. Mm. Damn shame, Taylor. I know. I've turned heel. Yeah, now that you got yours. Mm. I know. I've turned heel on the gamers. I'm so sorry, people. <laughs> hey, heels don't apologize. But what have you been playing? I guess, as for me, I have been uh, playing a little game called Eater Knights. It is a weird blend of action RPG and and a, a dating sim. I will be doing a write-up slash video on that. Uh, right now, you can read a couple things that I have up on at Bagel, on, on the game at Bagel Games, uh, a site that I write on when I'm not chilling out with Taylor doing this. And I've also have been playing a little indie game that's in early access called Elemental Survivors. Taylor, did you ever play uh, Vampire Survivors? I have not, but I've heard good things. Not just from you, because you have talked about this game quite a bit, and you seem to have really enjoyed it. Yeah, Vampire Survivors is actually pretty cool. It starts off slow, but like when you get into the mechanics, it's actually a pretty cool game. Well, Elemental Survivors takes that action and makes it a little more chill. Uh, honestly, I think it makes it a little too chill. I think it starts off a little too slow, which is one of my complaints with Vampire Survivors. Uh, but you can power up pretty quick and feel overpowered pretty fast, which is a double-edged sword. If you're one of those people who don't like building up too slow because uh, you don't like the tension and anxiety of surviving, uh, Elemental Survivors is actually a great game because you can power yourself up rather quickly and become OP within like the first 5 to 10 minutes of the 25 each, each level is 25 minutes. Uh, so you feel overpowered in the first five or ten minutes, if that's your kind of thing. So uh, those are the games that I have been playing, Taylor. Cool, cool. Let's go ahead and get out of here. Michael, what you're working on? Where can people find you? I'm trying to bring my YouTube back from the dark realm. Uh, but, you know, that's going to take a bit of work. Uh, I'm writing at Bagel Games. What about you, Taylor? Where? Oh, wait. Also, where you guys can find me. You can find me. I did this last week, too. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at M underscore M-O-S-L-E-Y underscore J-R. You can also find me on Twitch at Fox Daddy. That's F-Zero-X-D-A-D-D-Y. So what about you, Taylor? What have you been working on and where can we find you? I am working on these podcasts here. I'm going to try to get all of my podcasting work done and all of my work done by Thursday. So I can play Starfield all weekend. Uh, So that's what I'm working on. I'm putting in all the work early in the week so I can just chill at the end of the week. As for where you can find me, 
as I said all the way at the beginning of this thing, I'm not on any of the socials. You can find me, though, in the Discord for these podcasts, the link for which is in the description of this episode. Chat with us about your thoughts on Starfield, your predictions for it, and whenever the game comes out, your thoughts on it. And also, what have you been playing? We'd love to know because we need recommendations. We need new things to play because as much as we're probably going to love Starfield, you can't play one game forever. All right. You got to have a little variety in your life. I mean, tell that to Team Fortress 2 players. <laughs> that was a very or, true statement. <laughs> <laughs> or even uh, Counter-Strike players. Man, those two, those are two of the most loyal, dedicated fan bases, man. If you wish to support us further, if you like if you like listening to us speak words into your ears that sounded very weird, you could also head on over to our <laughs> Patreon page. The link for that is in the description. Uh, everything we do over here is completely free. Uh, if you support us on Patreon, it's completely optional. We're not going to have anything locked behind a paywall permanently. At most, we have early access coming uh, soon for Nerds Top Movies and Lombok Hunters. That's the goal, anyway. And there's a few other tiers as well that we hope is worth following us for. So, regardless if you do support us on Patreon, or if you just listen to us here on whatever platform you desire, we appreciate it. I want to thank Michael for joining me. I want to thank anyone for listening in. We don't really know what we're going to do next week, to be quite honest with you. Uh, Michael will be unavailable this weekend, so I don't know how much he's going to be playing Starfield. So we're probably not going to do the deep dive discussion episode next week. We'll probably have a news episode. But if that's the case, we will have our Starfield deep dive discussion the following week. Um, But we will have some kind of content next week for sure. Michael, you got anything else to add before we get out of here? Uh, no, I think we've covered it all just fine. Well, again, I want to thank Michael for joining me. I want to thank anyone for listening in. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode of Power Up and Game.